Thank you very much to the choir. Uh, thank you to uh, uh, all the uh, music leaders too. Our God is a rock in a weary land. And God blessed us with um, this church, the body of Christ, to help sustain us. And uh, a big part of what sustained us in a time when we were separated was uh, the music ministry. Um, as you saw on your monitors or screens, you know, week after week, uh, our praise leaders and our music uh, singers and, and whatnot faithfully um, blessed us with uh, their gifts to this body. So uh, we really appreciate uh, their leadership. And uh, it's such a blessing now to have uh, each of you who are part of this body of Christ uh, to be with us together. St. Paul begins uh, today's passage that was really well read by Brim uh, with an earnest plea to the Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We've learned over the past two weeks that this calling is the calling to strive for unity. This calling is so important to St. Paul that he is literally begging them to do so. Unity is the most beautiful thing in the world. You know, through the pandemic, we missed out on the joy of this kind of unity. And one thing we really missed out, that I missed out on at least, is the beauty of weddings. You know, I was thinking back and... Uh, so long. And there's nothing, though, like witnessing a couple that is truly in love as they make their vows of unity. Such moments of unity and love evoke a lot of emotions, right, in those who are there to witness and support and bless that couple. It's almost like we are more moved by seeing this unity. Nothing inspires us more than pure unity in love. It's, unity is the most beautiful thing in the world. And it is the greatest gift that God has given to us so that we can enjoy this life that we have. But we know that in the lives that we live, the world that we live in, we're often marked by great disunity. In our relationships with family and friends, in our workplaces, among different groups and nations in this world even, we often see great fractures in unity. We have the United Nations that is most often united in name only. Instead of unity, our relationships are clouded and darkened by hostility. And that hostility creates dividing walls. As Reverend Kim reflected two weeks ago, hostility is a poison in our souls. It's like a stain that no matter how much you scrub, you can't remove no matter how much we want it to go away, it, hostility clings on stubbornly 
and it drives our behavior. We need an antidote to hostility, something to melt it away, and that will lead us to unity. St. Paul describes a great an antidote to this hostility. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. These attributes are antidotes to hostility that brings about unity. I mean, if everyone in the world had this, I think this world would pretty much be a perfect place. But we know that in our everyday lives, we often see the very opposite. I mean, we compete and lift ourselves over and above others. Our words are so often harsh, judgmental, and cold. We are impatient. I mean, every day I say to myself in the morning with the kids, I gotta be patient. I gotta be patient. And it flies right out the window when they don't listen to me, when they don't get to the door, when I need to get out the door. Bearing with one another is to put up with the flaws that we see in each other in love. Not just tolerate it, but to really accept who they are with their flaws. But we know that at best, we merely just tolerate it. But at worst, we judge, we call out, and we ostracize each other. All of these things further fuel hostility. I mean, our relationships are supposed to give us the joy of unity. And God created this world. When God created it, God said, this, it is good. God created a, this world for us to experience the joy of oneness in it. But our relationships and our experiences in the world often leave us very hurt and disappointed. And this hurt and disappointment breed hostility. When hostility resides in our hearts, life kind of becomes darker and we feel separated and alienated from everything and everyone. Jesus came to restore unity and wholeness in our relationship with God and with others. He came to free us from the hostility that resides in our hearts. In his ministry, Jesus would often say, let those with eyes to see, see. There's a big theme of having been blind, but being able to see. The first step in the journey of from disunity to unity, is to see how our relationships 
and environments have been shaping us? Are they helping you become more gentle, humble, patient, and able to bear another's faults with love and grace? Or do they further breed hostility in your heart? We need to step back and critically examine the effects that our relationships and environments have on us. Then the solution is not necessarily to just cut off these relationships and these environments. Most often we can't. I mean, sometimes, yes, you need to let go of a relationship if it's abusive or causing harm. But more often, we, if we honestly examine, we'll come to see that we are just as much a part of the problem as they are. So the starting point is to recognize that I need to change in order for there to be greater unity. I need to go through the journey of removing hostility from my heart. The Christian journey is the journey of overcoming hostility. I believe this is something that only God can do with God's power. We cannot remove hostility with our willpower. The force and power of it is too strong. Like I said, I want to be patient. I just can't do it on my own. We're too inconsistent. I mean, when things are good or we're feeling good, oh yeah, man, I'm the most gentle, uh, humble guy around. But when things are not good, the hostility in us just comes out. No matter how much we want to have these attributes that are the antidote to hostility, it often overpowers us in our thoughts and our actions. So I realize what we need is a commitment to allowing God to change us. Gentleness and patience are habits of character that God cultivates in us over time. So our commitment is to give God the room in our hearts to change us. And I realize this. Our transformation does not take place by being focused on trying to be gentle and humble and patient and bearing with one another. Actually, if we become more fixated on that, it'll just highlight even more how far we fall short. It sets us up for disappointment, failure, and despair. And eventually saying, why bother? This is how I am. Well, I can't change. Our transformation happens when we fix our eyes on the God who transforms us. Our transformation happens as we fix our eyes on the God who transforms us. When we fix our eyes on God, we will see our sin. Yes. But we will also see God's greater mercy. 
When we fix our eyes on God, we experience and see the grace of God that overflows. It's grace that transforms us. That's why we have that song, Amazing Grace, that has endured for over generations. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Grace transforms, melts away hostility. And so our commitment is to try to place ourselves before this grace over and over. So when we experience grace after grace, then we are slowly transformed by God into the image of God. You know, as we've seen in today's passage, St. Paul, he ties the theme of unity with the body of Christ. Right? He begins to talk about unity, and then he talks at length about the body of Christ. And he says this, We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. The secret to transformation is that it happens in our individual hearts, but it comes about through our collective spiritual practice. That's the secret. Transformation happens in our individual hearts, but it comes about through our collective spiritual practice. And that was St. Paul's amazing insight. That's why he goes from talking about unity to the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ is built on one foundation, you know, worship and loyalty to God. That is where we fix our eyes. And so I realized to strive for unity, we must strive for unity in our worship of God. This is at the core of what the church is and what the church does. We fix our eyes on God through worship and we make space for God to dwell and reign in our lives as we worship. Commitment to worship as a church is our spiritual discipline. We often think of spiritual discipline as uh, our private, you know, personal discipline that we practice on our own, and, and that, that's good. But worship with the body of Christ is the collective spiritual discipline we've been called to. When we are unified in worship, then we become unified in our hearts, right? The, the moment that worship is powerful is when we feel in one accord with our voices, with our hearts and our minds. So you're coming to worship. It's not just about you. It is about the body of Christ. Your worshiping presence builds up the worshiping body. And that's why, as Josh shared, it's so inspiring too because each person's presence builds up the body. And so, you know what, we need to think of worship as a different quality of time. Okay? It's not just another chronological hour of the week. It's not another thing we just do for an hour and then move on. Worship is a moment in time where everything else in life recedes to the background. It's a moment where we collectively come 
and we step back and we open ourselves to experience an encounter with another reality, that is God. When we do that, we begin to see our lives as it is. We see our sin, we experience grace and mercy, and we experience the empowerment that comes from the assurance of God's presence with us. This is what worship is all about. And that's why to properly worship, uh, we need to prepare ourselves. I think if you read the weekly emails, we consistently go on that theme. Let us prepare ourselves. Let us uh, come and gather to worship. So we come with the spirit of reverence and humility. So when we come into the sanctuary, our mindset needs to shift already. We are not just spending another hour we are entering into a different moment in time and when we do that as we worship as we feel the oneness as we uh, see our lives as it is the hostility that drives us loses its hold and power over us i mean even if it's just for that moment it'll lose its grip but this is what we mean as a spiritual discipline when we come over and over and experience grace after grace after grace. That hostility does lose its power. And we will become slowly transformed into the image of the one we worship. Our individual transformation takes place in our collective worship. That's the, there's a mystery and power about this holy time together. It's a real great mystery and beauty of our human existence. And to me, it's a wonderful gift of God that we have been given. Just in our modern life, we've lost this art with, with the holy. You know, everything is very instrumental and functional. But worship is a different mode of time. So I want all of us to be able to experience that. For St. Paul, the commitment to making room for God meant committing to the body of Christ that was given for those of us touched by grace. And as I reflected on that, I realized us human beings, we're not that independent. We like to think we are. But we are so deeply shaped by the communities or groups that we are part of. We really are. So the question is, what community will you really be shaped by? For St. Paul, living in the body of Christ was the way to live out God's calling of bringing unity in this world. Unity in the church is the antidote to disunity in the world. Unity in the church is the antidote to disunity in the world. I mean, there's no other agenda in the church. We're not, we're not like a sports team that's out to win a match. They're united by winning. You know, uh, that's the thing that always comes out of these draft picks. I just want to be in, on a winning culture, right? We're not hired to achieve business goals. We are simply a community of human beings who have experienced the grace of God and are called by God to learn how to live together as human beings. That's what the church is. 
And as I reflect back, uh, you know, on my time in youth ministry with High C, I realized my main goal was always just to cultivate a community that is united in love. I mean, everything else, content of theology and Bible, like that can come. But at the core is to experience this unity in love. There's no other goal that's more important. And I know we have a lot of the high seas here, and I see this spirit of unity, and it's beautiful to see. You know, for them to experience true unity and love is to experience what it is to be a complete human being. You know, that experience of unity is the antidote to disunity and a lot of the alienation they feel at this stage in life as they're learning uh, what it is to be independent and foster their identity. When they experience this unity... They get a concrete, real sense of what God's love and grace is all about. The church is God's amazing gift for us to live out God's beautiful vision of unity for this world. It's not perfect by any means because we are human. We come and with all this hostility that is in our hearts. And so because of that, we hurt one another and get into conflicts. But... We commit to trying to learn how to work together through our conflicts and our differences. And most importantly, we commit, like I said, to coming to worship together. And in our worship, as we encounter God, we are transformed to learn humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another. So my friends... The church is a gift worth loving and cultivating and committing to be shaped by it. We're only here about once a week, if at all. We must commit to being shaped by it. And that's why we've been relentlessly going after you to come to church. It's like that song, you know, won't leave the 99. You know how much we've been hustling and grinding to get every one of you because you are all that precious gift to the body of Christ. Do you know that? You are called and you are the gift. In Ephesians, Paul doesn't say that it's the gifts. uh, I don't want to go into all the exegesis, but it's the people who are the gift. You are the gift. And so it's worth it to go after everyone so that we can all be blessed by the presence of each person. And watching everyone in action has been so inspiring. As we slowly emerge from this pandemic, St. Paul and the scripture exhorts us, begs us to lead lives worthy of this calling to which we've been called. Strive for unity wherever you are. You are called to bring greater unity to your family, to your friendships, to your work setting. That is evangelism. Evangelism is not merely just the words that we say. It's who we are. And so we must be constantly transformed to be people who bring unity. So let us commit to worshiping God with this beautiful community that is called the church. 
Let us make it our spiritual discipline to worship together. Make room for God in your heart so that God may heal you, transform you, and make you an agent of unity in this world. Let us sing together.